Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. June 28th, 2022, NXT 2.0. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn 2.0, joined by Alfred 2.0 and NYC Demon Diva 2.0. Tonight, to talk about the go-home show for Great American Bash. Very exciting. So very exciting. Are you excited, Issa? No. You're not excited? Really? No, this show sucks. Oh, come on. (laughs) Alfred, you excited? You just can't hide it? Excited is not the word, uh, but uh, hopefully it's good. I'm, I'm slightly anticipating it. This, this was a fun show tonight. It went by quickly. Great American Bash. I think the card is looking very good. We got some nice surprises tonight. We saw the exit of Two Dimes. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> yet another greatest of all time moment promo from Tony D'Angelo. We <laughs> continued. We saw a Wendy Chu rebuttal to Tiffany Stratton that was as good as the original promo. We saw Nikita Lyons make her return and face Mandy Rose yeah. tonight. Um, and I think that's going in an interesting direction. Um, I think Mandy and uh, Nikita are going to get that title match sooner rather than later. And yeah, not a perfect show, but I think like, I feel like there was a lot to like tonight. Yeah. You say you can just shoot down all my hopes and dreams. I didn't think this show sucked. I'm not going to go that far just in terms of my excitement level for the great American bash. Maybe is it where it should be, but I did think they did a lot of good, including even the main event segment, which, you know, that's a match where I think a lot of people are convinced at the finish. I don't think a lot of people are into this feud itself, but I thought both guys did a good job talking and uh, creating some actual animosity. And I think finally, hopefully we saw a heel turn from Cameron Grimes, which I think is a good thing too. And what was up with that ending? Um, confusing and i was i think even people online saying work shoot what was yeah, happening the, the heel the only heel turn that happened on the main event was the ring itself the turn ring t- turn heel yeah what yes. i think happened is he was supposed to because he exploded at that turnbuckle that first time so i think that's where they were going for it to snap and it didn't snap so they had to do it again uh and i hope he's okay because yeah that, that looks- was supposed to snap and it didn't that must have hurt like nobody's business and i think i kind of saw him bruising up yeah, he looked legitimately hurt. I don't know that he's injured, but he looked like he was not feeling so hot after Braun Breaker took that uh, hit to the turnbuckle. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. But more importantly, tonight, uh, we're going to talk about the news. And we are going to talk about the 10 greatest NXT tag teams mm-hmm. of all time. Title holders or not, men, women, fair game. Uh, we're going to go through our list and each name our 10 greatest tag teams in NXT. So we got that after the show. And yeah, a lot to dive into. Oh, I'll also give a recipe for a healthy dessert for those of you trying to <laughs> watch your calories yeah. and drop a few pounds. Uh, all that and more 
tonight on the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Alfred, what's going on in the news? Oh, everything's going on in the news. Let's start with uh, everybody's favorite wrestling promoter. Tony Twitterfingers was back at it again on Twitter earlier today, touting Forbidden Door, their $1 million gate, which is excellent news, one of the biggest crowds they've ever had. And also $5 million, he's saying, in pay-per-view buys, wow. which would line up with what he said in terms of it being 100000 around in a pay-per-view buy rate. And if so, that would actually be a tie for the lowest uh, pay-per-view buy rate in AEW history around the low end after Double or Nothing did around 160-something thousand, I believe it was, 155,000 range. Uh, ticket sales for Forbidden Door, very interesting. Uh, they had a j- pre-sale sellout, as we know, uh, but as the event went on, uh, the ticket sales slowed, and actually there were 2,000 tickets still remaining by the time of the show, uh, going as low as $2 per ticket for the Forbidden Door. Uh, Rampage, of course, we know last couple of weeks, two oldest audiences they've had. Uh, Friday was the lowest ever for their normal time slot for the double, uh, Forbidden Door Go Home show. And then, of course, the last two weeks of Dynamite, we had the lowest number in over a year at 761,000. And then 878,000 was the third lowest in 18 to 49. Google searches 100,000 compared to 200,000 for Double or Nothing, which were double. And even Dave Meltzer earlier this morning on Wrestling Observer Radio said that AEW is going to have to rebuild its audience coming out of a pay-per-view, which is (laughs) counterproductive to wrestling, where you build on your pay-per-view audience. But uh, the numbers dipped off a clip so bad for this Forbidden Dose show that they're now going to have to rebuild their audience, hopefully with blood and guts tomorrow, which should do, I think, a good number. But those are the numbers for Forbidden Door. I I think back-to-back months, 100,000 is is an okay number, but obviously on the low end of what they typically do. And listen, it did seem to appeal to the hardcore crowd in terms of mainstream viewing, television viewing, buy rates, and Google searches, anything that would suggest um, mainstream viewing outside of the fervor for the pre-sale tickets. Uh, because even as they built up to the actual event, it looks like the tickets sales slowed down. So what are your thoughts on the Forbidden Door event, which I thought was awesome? And uh, it's a business, Glenn. Well, I have to say, I, I tuned in to the Forbidden Door. And I thought originally, oh, I'll just watch the pre-show. Oh, I'll just watch up until this match or this match. And I ended up watching the entire thing. I'm not the most familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I have to say, All the matches were really good, good momentum. I don't know that this expanded their fan base dramatically. I think it was a mistake to not include MJF. They've got the hottest story in all of AEW, the hottest story they could actually tell right now with CM Punk injured. Um, I think uh, it's a mistake not to do something with MJF, but that being said, I thought this was a very enjoyable pay-per-view and maybe maybe it was a bit of a thank you also. You know, we need to look at it that this is what, like the third anniversary of uh, AEW. They're going into their fourth year. This was a give back to the hardcore fans. I think it was a success in terms of the quality of the show, but yeah, I don't know what this does to increase their audience. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Forbidden Door. I thought Forbidden Door exceeded my expectations. I went in very skeptical. I, I even said in the past I, I wouldn't watch it if I didn't agree to cover it for Wrestling Inc. And I ended up having a blast watching that show. I thought... I thought it delivered, but it was weird to to Alfred's point that at the end of the pay-per-view, they were building to the TV show. Usually, you take the TV show and you build to the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view ended building to Wednesday night TV shows. I was like, this feels a little backward. Um, We did get a pretty good audience considering the fact that we were also live with the scrum. I thought we had a really good turnout, me and Liam, whatever he's at. 
Um, we did the recap here in Wrestling Inc. And we ended up getting a pretty good, you know, amount of people watching us live cover the show. I, I, I think it was a success. I never look at sellouts. And I'm not talking just AEW, WWE concerts. But Bunny, it doesn't matter. But Bunny concerts, I don't look at it as a sellout because, you know, it's a bunch of scalpers, like, botting the crap out of these ticket websites to just go ahead and, and resell them. Like, a lot of it is just not legit sales from fans buying these tickets, but I'm glad it did okay. But I, I, I have to agree in regards to the, the amount of people that the amount of having to rebuild your audience. I, I do think some people tune out, but I personally think people will come back on Wednesday saying, okay, I'm going to watch AEW when it goes back to being a regular AEW. And I think people will tune in on Wednesday. I think the, the positive reviews for Forbendor and the surprise, you know, appearance by Claudio, knowing that his first match on AEW television is going to be blood and guts. I'm, I'm personally excited for it. Yeah. And, and you can't define what success is from other people. And I do consider, especially financially, especially creatively, I thought that this event was a success for what it was trying to accomplish. But I've said this all along, is that this was going to appeal to a hardcore fan base. And we saw that really every week they built this show. And to your point, Issa, about having big streams, that is the audience that is going to tune into something for a Forbidden Door. People who frequent wrestling sites and watch it and follow it every week on the wrestling sites, of course, within this zeitgeist, it was always, I think, going to be somewhat of a success. And if you looked at the talent on that card, absolutely. But for the television wrestling audience, I'm not entirely sure. And I just thought it was insane that it's this roster that is ravaged with one injury after another. And I'm talking devastating injuries to some of their top stars. Here you are with a perfectly healthy MJF, a perfectly healthy Britt Baker, perfectly healthy Jade Cargill, three probably of your seven biggest television ratings movers, but they can't be on the show because, oh, we're doing the New Japan thing and, and we're doing this thing with MJF. So I just think if you ever have a show where you those three people can't be on your pay-per-view, maybe rethink that philosophy. But this might be a long-term game, and I have no problem with shows like this. Just know it's not going to grow your audience, uh, at least not in the short term. Well, one thing I will tell you is my wife, who was half paying attention, when Claudio showed up, she was like, what? He's in AEW now? And she said, I might start paying attention to AEW now. Well, there you go. Like, I think, and I think, seriously, I think Claudio is going to increase the fan base. I, I do think he has uh, a certain magnetism about him that will bring in more female viewers. Uh, we'll, uh, see. We'll, see when the the we'll see when the numbers get released because we said this so many times about so many other talents. Honestly. Yeah, and the thing about Claudio, like, God love him, his appeal is to the men and to the people who already watched AEW. I don't think there's anybody who was not watching AEW before who's like, oh, Claudio's there, I'll watch now. If you like Claudio, you probably like Daniel Bryan better. You probably like CM Punk better. No, 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 no. Probably I'm like just talking from an better, aesthetic point you know? of view. From an aesthetic yeah. point okay, of view. Okay, if you want to talk about aesthetic real. point of view, give me Claudio versus Warlow. Big meaty men slapping meat. Did you, register, go. Did you register the dot com yet, Issa? I thought you were gonna get the domain. <laughs> Please. Not yet, not yet. Don't take it from me. Don't take yeah. it from me. No, but I'm telling you, like, look, let's be real for a second, just about like aesthetics and appeal. Charm goes a long way. And I'm saying that the Claudio is very charming, is very handsome, and a lot of our favorite wrestlers are are very talented on a technical level. But looking like a, a movie star, looking like a movie star helps. 
It really does. The, 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 the female audience is, is with Warlow. Warlow. Warlow is the eye candy of AW. I have made that call on my channel and it will stay that way. I will say, Alfred, that I was a little bit triggered by that match that they added at the very last, last second on the pre-show, the Lance Archer match. I don't understand if you were mm. going to add another match to the pre-show, why not make it a women's match? That was a perfect sure, spot yeah. to putting a Brett Baker, to putting a Jay Cargill. But the fact that they added that very last minute, I wasn't expecting it. I don't think it was even announced and they made Make it another um, male match. He just, he, I, I personally thought that was a perfect spot to put another women's match on the card. Yeah, and not just from the equality standpoint, which is always important, but from the standpoint of these women are bigger stars than just about anybody who's on this show uh, mm. at the Forbidden Door. And if you don't have a slot for them, maybe rethink that philosophy. Yeah. What else? But good show. Uh, speaking of ratings, the raw ratings were surprisingly down slightly, although maybe it's not too fair to say that because last week's was a monster number. Of course, you were just coming off of the heels of that Vince McMahon investigation, and it did the best number since WrestleMania 38, the raw after WrestleMania. And this was just 2% down, 1.951 million. Still a very big number. 0.56 in the uh, second hour for John Cena's promo, which is a, another big number. So they did very good numbers. About even with last week. And interesting enough, we're talking about the Forbidden Door sales, which went against entirely against what I thought, where I thought they weren't going to sell out pre-sale, but then announce the card and sell out. What happened with that is that they sold out pre-sale, and as the card was announced, really no other tickets were sold. It just went to the hardcores. With this, it was the opposite. The second they announced John Cena, over 4,500 tickets were sold for this event, which was a legit sellout. Over half their tickets sold because of John Cena. So just bringing one night of pretty big business for WWE. What did you think about John Cena's return last night, Issa? I think if they would have had a countdown to John Cena clock, it would have probably hit the two million. I think yeah. they needed to have that countdown thinking. to John Cena. Um, I I thought it was I thought it was a good return, good promo. It felt very you know, then now forever together kind of promo and not really, didn't really set anything up. But at the same time, I do think John Cena deserves the respect of having a day in which he's celebrated and then maybe we'll set up a match if he has the time to wrestle at SummerSlam or whatever that might be. We can set that up earlier and let's just make, you know, last night about celebrating 20 years of John Cena, which it was, it was great. He did talk for a little too long, but let him talk for three hours if he wants. He's earned at least that, you know. I, I personally pop for the backstage segments that they did with him. There was a couple of really good ones in there that I really enjoyed. Loved the opening, especially when he walked past Becky Lynch and she was so, like, yes. over it. <laughs> Love his interaction with Seth Rollins. Um, we did see him interact with Theory, which a lot of people are, you know, assuming that that's the match that we're going to get. I don't see that being the match at SummerSlam. I personally think that they're trying to really sell SummerSlam and I think it's going to be more of a nostalgia match personally. I think John Cena's going to get a bigger match like an Edge or something like mm. that and maybe mm. the theory will happen later on. I don't I don't know that Cena versus Theory is where you want to go for SummerSlam, especially like what do you do after? If Theory wins what is he going to do? Go back to facing Trumpa? Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know where they'll go from there um, but yeah, I, I like John Cena's returning 20, 20 years. Good for him. Was, never never being a fan of the character, but the human being, he's a hell of a dude, man. Um, I just wish they would have had some clear momentum about what was being built or where it was going. It reminded me actually of Undertaker's speech at Raw 25, where it was just kind of mm. like, you just came out and said like, hey, I'm still here. I don't know when you're going to see me again. That's a great uh, comparison. That's kind of exactly what it was. Like. Yeah, but it was weird though, right? Because you have all that momentum and yeah, they should have announced something for SummerSlam. I mean, <laughs> even Cena was like, I'm not done. But I don't know when you're gonna when I'm gonna be in the ring again. 
can't commit. Yeah, the, the like, only difference is that fans paid like $700 to sit at the Manhattan Center just to see that. <laughs> Take yeah. promo. That's about all they have. I'll never yeah. forget Road 25. That was no. a mess. <laughs> Not the first time. I um, was at Barclays Center. I made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's be fair. Not the first time John Cena couldn't commit to something. No. Whoa. Hey, he's a Shout married man. Bella. He's been married for a while now. So I know. On. I had to look that up. I forgot he got married to someone else. Yeah, yeah. He's been married for a while. I know. So what does that tell you? No, I love John Cena. I love John Cena. You can turn you can turn certain women into housewives. So, what kind of women, Isa? Can we be more specific? What's next on the news? <laughs> Final. Speaking of women and, and the greatest women, uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi. So, there's been a little bit of drama behind at least Sasha Banks' status with WWE. Of course, our own uh, reliable, credible, top newsman in the industry, Raj Giri, did report that uh, Sasha Banks had been released. This was corroborated by Wrestle Votes, which is another very accurate source. But now PW Insider Mike Johnson is coming out and saying that Sasha Banks is still listed on the internal roster. And as of this writing has not been released yet, uh, it seems like a lot of he said, she said between WWE as well. What do you think about this situation? And how do you expect this to play out, Issa, within a couple of months? I did some special investigating on my watch along today, and she mm. is in the roster as we speak. That is my special investigating. I just went to WWE.com. She's still there. Vacant, though. He's still listed as the women's tag team champion, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this might be Vacant's longest title reign ever. Why are we celebrating that on Monday Night Raw? Why are we having Vacant come out and talk about how long he's held these women tag team championships? That's what I want to know. I think this uh, Sasha Banks thing is it's got lawyers involved. I think there's a lot more yeah. to it than from people to just come out and say, yeah, she's being released. I think, I think there's a little bit of negotiating back and forward, but I do think it ends up with her being release i just really want to know where does naomi go because nobody's talking about naomi anymore and i'm curious about what's going to happen with her and really quick yeah. on vacant uh let's shout out to vacant is a very underrated civil rights icon for being gender fluid having the men's titles the world title for the women so vacant is gender fluid and it's just beautiful during pride month so a shout true out to legend a true legend of the industry hell yeah I would love to get further confirmation or more news on this. I would love to see Sasha and Naomi go to AEW and really cement uh, their legacies by building that women's division around them. By having the week, the pay-per-view weekend off because they don't put women in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give more time off, which could lead to more injuries. I think that's a part of what's going on here. But uh, I don't think we see Sasha Banks for a while. I actually think regardless of where she ends up, we're not going to see her in a wrestling ring maybe six months or whatnot. I think that she has bigger fish to fry at the moment. And I think when she returns to wrestling, it, it might be at a time where she feels that she's at peace with everything that's gone on and she's going to have to reconcile this. I, I really don't think we're going to see Sasha wrestling for a little bit. Hmm. We I shall whatever see. fish she's frying are not coming from the same river. Uh, two lines was dropped at tonight because those mm. fish could be contaminated. <laughs> those fish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? That is your news. Gotcha. Okay, we're going to dive into NXT, but first, a quick healthy recipe for those of us looking to drop some pounds, drop some inches, as it were. I'm now down 25 pounds since my weight loss journey began at the end of March. And here lately, I got this from Pendulette of the duo Penn and Teller, a great healthy dessert to satisfy those sweet cravings, but not spike your blood sugar, get some fiber in the process, get 
yourself a cup of blueberries, rinse them, wash them, do whatever you need to do to make peace with feeling that they're clean enough to eat. Get those blueberries, uh, put them in a bowl, get some unsweetened cocoa powder and put one to two teaspoons of that unsweetened cocoa powder, not too much, over the blueberries, a dash of cayenne pepper, shake it around, eat it with a spoon and you will have a delicious chocolatey treat, the fruit, sugar, sweetening the blueberries and providing you some much needed fiber in the process. But again, not too much cocoa powder or you will have a very dry experience. Uh, that's my healthy recipe tip. Great way to kick those cravings. Nobody, nobody wants a dry experience. Sounds delicious. Nobody, no. Yeah, nobody wants a dry experience. Need those blueberries nice and moist. Yes, it's key. And uh, remember, don't eat after uh, eight o'clock if you can help it because your metabolism slows down naturally and you'll sleep better if you don't eat a few hours before bedtime. That's what my if recipe. You're up tip. all night. Well, then I think it's okay. You know, okay. but I think it's important to stay up for a while. I try and if I'm going to have more carbohydrates, I try and do that earlier in the day. If I'm going to have sugar, I try and have that earlier in the day so my body has a chance to metabolize that into energy. It's very important. Very, oh, very important. Free jewels from Glenn. I like it, Glennagee. Doing it, making my way, the only way know how. Uh, so let's talk about NXT 2.0 tonight. What did we open with tonight? Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez versus Caden Carter and Katana Chance. NXT Women's Tag Team Championship number one contenders match. Issa, what did you think of this match that Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez won? I thought this match was fun. I really liked it. I thought it opened the show hot. The show hot. I, I I feel bad for Kane and Katana being NXT day one real tag team. You know, losing to these two girls that all of a sudden are BFFs. But I'm not I'm not gonna be mad. I can actually see Cora and um, Roxy taking the tag team championships mm. from toxic attraction to where Kate and Katana feel like they have gotten enough shots. They're not going to beat them. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought this was a very, very fun way to start the show. And I like, I like matches that have something, you know, like a stake. So overall good stuff. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this match next week. Now, Alfred, will either of these teams be on your top 10 NXT tag team of all time list tonight? Top 10, try top three. Stay tuned. You guys are going to be very shocked at which one of these teams makes my top three greatest nxt tag teams of all time man or woman but uh to that point i thought this was very good i thought it was a good opener i thought it was solid and it looks like katana and uh, kaden are going to be turning heel which i think maybe would be a welcome addition i just don't feel like they do enough with them for us to care if they're heel or babyface but if it was me naturally i think they should be a babyface team because they have a lot of cool moves and a very athletic team but hopefully they build to them someday winning the tag title but it looks like they're going to be on the outside looking in for a while now yeah, and uh, we'll see what happens next week at Great American Bash when Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez take on Toxic Attraction. Here's the thing. If Toxic Attraction loses, do you think they're main roster bound? They feel like such a presence of NXT. Even when they're not wrestling, we have the Toxic Lounge and they're just hanging out. It's very interesting to see how, I mean, they're main characters in NXT, certainly in the women's division. Yeah, I don't know if they're leaving. I, maybe if they had plans for Mandy to go back up there, but I think just at some point, the run will have happened, and I think they are starting to run their course a little bit to where I am oh, yeah. ready to see them lose those titles. And I think they're finally starting to have the perfect storm of all three of them losing the titles. Maybe not necessarily at the American Bash, but I can see Nikita Lyons beating Mandy Rose, and I can see uh, Toxic Attraction losing to whether it's Akora and Roxanne or, or Kaden and Katana finally chasing and getting their chance. 
Yeah, I um, I have PTSD today of the Undisputed Era titles reign with Undisputed Era always becoming involved in Adam Cole's matches. I got PTSD from that today with Toxic Attraction, so I do see they're starting to run their course. <laughs> yeah. So, why is my computer freezing? Why? Can you hear me? Am I coming through? I can there hear we you. go. Perfect. I can Whoa. hear you. Allison Tuckwab, fifty dollars. Astounded. Hey, fifty dollars. Wow. Raj can retire now. Hey, I wish hey, the women's hey. Sasha Banks and Naomi make videos together. I like WWE Monday Night Raw. Don't care much for NXT, but Wednesdays I like AEW. And Friday I like watching SmackDown. And after SmackDown is over, then AEW comes on television. I like that schedule. Well, you're in good company because that's how we watch uh, wrestling every week as well. Hours of wrestling. I wish there was a little less so that we can. Me breathe too. and digest it a little more but you know it's a lot of wrestling and a lot of good wrestling on tv i was actually thinking that maybe that's the reason why i i had a little bit of exhaustion with nxt tonight and maybe i didn't enjoy it as wow. much as i should have but when you think about it forbidden door and monday night raw you just mm -hmm. go into it so exhausted and and the the thought looms in my head that we also have a pay-per-view on saturday like it's just a lot of wrestling and that and that really for me takes away from some of the shows that might have been more enjoyable if you weren't so exhausted but i agree it's a great schedule thank you allison that was a great thank super you, chat yeah really good that will cover um glenn's uh blueberries <laughs> supply chain uh so after that match uh we saw some undisputed era uh undisputed era why am i saying that we saw some diamond mine i was thinking of roderick strong uh we saw diamond mind uh with the creed brothers backstage strong apologizing then we had uh nikita lyons approach toxic attraction then giovanni vinci versus ikaman jiro hey alfred what'd you think of this match i was rooting for ikaman jiro i think there's more potential in ikaman jiro than vidi vidi vici um, Giovanna Vici, whatever, and exactly what I expected, but it's going to be a tough sell with this guy. Issa? No, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this, Alfred. I, I, I wasn't into this Giovanni character, and then he came out, and I saw the Gucci colors in the trunks, like the waistline. I, I, I popped for <laughs> that. And then that second selfie, that second selfie, you know, the selfie. Uh, he went from pass to smash for me tonight. I oh. like the match. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of invested. I want to go and ride in his little red Ferrari with him. Is that all that you want to ride from him? <laughs> For now. He's got to win a title at least or something, you know? <laughs> I feel like the selfie th thing is really overdone. I, I, it's because they don't get the right angles. Like, that's what I'm saying. That second selfie was perfect. But you know what? We all take about 100 pictures and only one makes it to the gram. So at least that second one would have made the Instagram, you know, feed. Yeah, are you talking about the victory selfie after he won the match? No, no, no. The second one when he oh, made the second it. one during the entrance. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> after that, we had um oh NXT UK tag team champions. Brooks and Dunn. Brooks and Dunn. I don't think they could even find the UK on a map, let alone they've never <laughs> traveled there. But they are the UK championships, and they were confronted by pretty deadly tonight yes what did boy. you think of this oh, friend. um more belts you know we get two sets and listen i really think that it i've never cared about the nxt uk tag titles or brooks and dunn more than i did tonight 
just because I thought they came off as pretty big baby faces coming as a conquering heroes from America, uh, winning those titles. I think they did a good job positioning them there. Uh, then the physicality started. And I, I'm not necessarily over the moon about this match, but I really would like to see Pretty Deadly with uh, titles again. I think that they were robbed of their last title run, so if they can get those titles on them, that's cool. Uh, and I must say, two of the most underrated titles in terms of beautiful titles in wrestling, those NXT UK tag titles I think are gorgeous. They remind me of the WCW tag team titles, and I think they're very good-looking titles, and it's good to see them in NXT. They will look even more gorgeous around the waist of Pretty Deadly. These guys in the mom jeans that they were wearing out there, they're not it. They're not it. This <laughs> segment was saved by Pretty Deadly, and I want Pretty Deadly to beat them. I want Pretty Deadly to be Max Dupree's models on SmackDown. Me too. But, may Me too. May but maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we'll get some other familiar faces known for their uh, good looks. They have eye makeup tonight. They look so beautiful. They've got they're the fun. fit, man. So many wrestlers try to dress like heels, and you could tell they're just putting one random thing on after another. You could tell thought goes into the entire outfit, and they're very effective at dressing in ways to get heat. I think they do it great. What do you think? Do you think Triple H is going to come back and have influence in NXT, and who do you think he, he keeps versus cuts? Well, the streets say that he is back. He has not specified what exactly that means, but Triple H did tell the Performance Center that he's back. I would imagine he'd have more influence. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily up to Triple H. I think that's going to be the lesser role he takes, that he's not necessarily deciding who to keep and who to cut. He's more mm. or less going to try to mold them and train them. And Triple H, I think, is going to be a champion right. for the NIL program. That's his baby, if you've been watching that. That's where he's going and representing, is that NIL college athletes, his job is probably going to be chiefly to get them ready in terms of being professional wrestlers and not necessarily revert back to NXT 1.0. Yeah. Uh, so Indy Hartwell versus Kiana James. Kiana James getting a pretty easy win here. Very forgettable match. Very quick. And uh, before Hated I even the finish. Know, yeah, very random. But let's talk yeah. about the the what followed after this, which was Tony D'Angelo on a bridge with two dimes' <laughs> leather jacket saying two dimes sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> I'm telling you, NXT Creative watches this podcast. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I was thinking this is the only way that you could go through, but they probably stole that from this podcast. And that's the right answer. So good for them. I thought this was great. It was such a, it was such a beautiful, deep segment. I felt the pain in Tony D'Angelo's feelings and I, I i if i was anybody from legado the fantasma i'd be scared because he just if he just threw family on the river like that what is it going to do to people that are not real family i'm yeah. telling you legado the fantasma needs to hide and then the prank phone call is this the next north american <laughs> champion tony <D> that, was, <laughs> that was unnecessary completely unnecessary this was so good this was so phenomenal i uh, love this can't wait to see what they do next with it i think this is going to be the reboot tony d needs yes i, I think this is great it, it sucks that they had to sacrifice stat was it stats or two dimes stacks two dimes two dimes two dimes, two dimes. sucks they had to sacrifice him but you know you got to break a couple eggs one nickel he is now one nickel yeah <laughs> fernando perez buck 99 ask if you can get allison's number uh <laughs> T spending three thousand five dollars. I know the Twitter Rob Moto made it, but Last Legends improving and sending two point zero talent to NXT UK to get extra work has been great too. No, I agree. That's absolutely. We've been, we've been Last Legend fans since day one here, and I have seen the improvement. So I'm I'm glad. 
Love to see it. Since her first meme, I've liked Lash Legend. Yep. What did you think, Alfred, of Diamond Mine versus Joe Gacy and the Dyad? <laughs> Just the, I, I, I cannot get into this, and neither can the crowd. I, this is where they kind of hit a wall, and I don't think they really came back after this. This Dyad thing, all I think of is I can't help but think, like, how can you wrestle in these things? It must be so hot. I'm thinking of everything but the match when I see these guys wrestle in their robes and their druids, and that's not the point of this, but it's very distracting, and I just don't think it's going to work. You guys said it was a good show, and this happened in this show. Just reminding you of that. I hated this. I hated that. I don't understand why you will wrestle and not try to uncover them. Like, why is, is Diamond Mind just wrestling them in these outfits and not trying to figure out who they are? Wouldn't you want to figure out who your opponent really is? Like, it just looks so stupid that they just go on with the match like that. I also thought they gave this match way, way too much time. Like, it didn't need to be as long as it was, especially for a match that nobody's getting into. At some point, call Audible and make it shorter because nobody nobody was into it. Not even the people watching it from home. The crowd in the in the whatever the name of the, the, it's the performance center. I don't know what they want to say. They were not to this match. I'm over Joe Casey. I'm, I'm over it. You're, you're so from, from now? Him. You were into him and now you're over him? Yeah. No, I've been over him. I've been, the only, the only, the only, the only reason why I put up with him is because sometimes he reminds me of you, Glenn. Looks wise, not the things that he says. So, but now I can't, I can't stand him. Every time he shows up on Is that screen, an insult or a compliment? I'm not sure. No, wow. it's just a lot of people on Twitter be like, do you know that Joe Gacy looks like Glenn? And then I, I didn't see it at first, but then I started seeing it. Okay. So I'm just saying. Get a new haircut. I always tell them that Glenn is cuter, pause. Oh, 1000%. There you go. Oh man. Anyhow. <laughs> You're better uh, than Joe Gacy. Don't let that get to you. Please show up at the next podcast. Like, please show up with two people as druids behind you, just standing yeah. there the entire time we do the show. I'll see I what I can that. do. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> oh, uh, Alex Diaz, 1990, 499, saying Carmelo versus Braun needs to happen ASAP. Who takes the belts from Braun, in your guys' opinion? Also, finally, D. Brian on Y2J get over 1 million viewers again. That's right. There. Congratulations hey. to John. Uh, must be nice. <laughs> okay, well, my pick is Tony D'Angelo is going to take that title off Braun. I pick Apollo Cruz. Oh, oh, I like Apollo Cruz. I I would have said somebody like Solo Sokoa or Sian Quinn, but they're not really booking them in the best of lights recently. So, Degenerates United. Tell the name. Four ninety nine. Money in the Bank. I think Bianca versus Carmelo will be the same outcome as the SummerSlam match last year, but instead of Becky, Bailey returns to face Bianca. Ooh. So you're saying that Bailey would replace Carmella? We'd need a reason as to why Carmella couldn't. I know COVID's going around on the West Coast again. So if she's out with COVID and then she's replaced by Bailey, that could be interesting. But I hope they learned their lesson because I was in the building when that happened to Bianca. Me too. And there were tens of thousands of arena filled with fans who were not happy with that. I was happy. I was there as well, Alfred. I was happy when Becky came back. It was the way that she beat mm -hmm. Bianca. And I'm a big, Becky Lynch is my favorite. And you completely just robbed that moment from me because I was so happy to see her come back and it lasted literally 26 seconds. And then I was like, what just happened? So yeah. uh, maybe, maybe Bailey can have an after match attack on whoever wins, you know, something like that could happen. Um, but I, I I don't know. that You need a reason. I don't want to see Bianca versus Carmella, if I'm being honest with you. But I also think uh, uh, 
bait and switch at the last second will be weird, but I mean, I'm always going to be here for a Bailey return no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So let's throw in Joe Gacy in the diet. One that which caused diamond mine. So Roderick Strong and Damon Kemp are going to face Creed next week for the NXT tag team titles. That that's that's on Great American Bash. That but they said yeah. All right, free diamond mine, man. They're done. Yeah, They're done. Diamond mine's done. Yeah, hopefully this is the final nail in the coffin for this group that they're in this tag team and then they start going their own ways because I would actually like to see not only the Cree brothers on their own, but I want to see Damon Kemp kind of develop. And if Roderick Strong could be his de facto manager, that's fine. And I also want to see Ivy Nile by herself. I think they have a lot of good parts in Diamond Mines that need to be on their own. Um, Issa, what did you think about Sanga versus Zion Quinn? This man Sanga needs to wax his body. <laughs> That's, I couldn't concentrate on the match. I also don't like seeing Zion Quinn lose. I thought he was one that was being booked kind of strong. I thought his loss against Wesley was kind of justified, but now he's losing, and I don't know. I don't know. This 50-50 booking in NXT is such – it triggers me week after week. I don't know who I'm supposed to get behind. And when people like that super chat earlier ask, who's going to take the title from Braun? Nobody, because nobody's mm-hmm. – being booked to be the next big thing outside of Carmelo. Yeah, maybe you can do a champion versus champion match. That will be the only person that I will believe credible at this point because everybody else is, even the person going against Brown Breaker right now. Cameron Grimes just lost a title match and he's getting a shot at the main title. Like, none of the booking in NXT 2.0 makes any sense. But, you know, these two guys next to me thinks it was such a great show. Uh, no, but it's a great show. I said I thought it was a solid show. And it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, Issa, because it's WWE Central problem. This is from the top of the roster on their main roster, now down to NXT. It's the same problem where they don't have anybody ready for Roman Reigns. So they're just going to run it back with Brock Lesnar because nobody's really ready for Roman right now because of all the 50-50 booking. Don't bring, don't bring, Beastie, into, don't bring Beastie or Roman into this. We're talking about NXT. This is Tuesday So. Nobody's Issa. ready for these guys. And they're doing the same thing on NXT now where nobody's ready for Braun Breaker because this company does not know how to separate their baby faces. So Issa, if you're at hanging out with friends or maybe you're okay. on a date or maybe a family member and someone says, hey, Issa, I have the day planned out. And you're like, okay, I had some ideas, but if you have a plan, I'm going to go with your plan. Every step of the way, do you offer commentary to remind them of what their plan was and how they thought their plan was so good, but it's not meeting up to your lofty expectations? 100% yes. <laughs> and I remind them of what I would have done, you know, just to make sure they know. <laughs> this is why I'm single. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's talk about the realness tonight. Mandy Rose with Toxic Attraction versus Nikita Lyons in a non-title match. Yeah, hat. welcome Nikita. back, Nikita Lyons. <laughs> Mandy Rose does not look physically (laughs) like she has the athletic stature to hang with Nikita Lyons in a street fight. Like Nikita is not the most polished talent, but Nikita tonight was ragdolling her around. Like you put them in a real fight with no toxic attraction. And I don't believe that Mandy Rose could win that fight. Oh, this looks like a fight between two white girls you'd see on world star for sure. I've seen fights just like this (laughs) same stature and everything. And uh, I was all for it. 
Yeah, um, I was. I couldn't to think that Nikita was making Mandy look small, and Mandy is a strong woman. Like, like Mandy Rose goes hard in the gym, and you can just tell. And for her to look so small next to Nikita Lyons, but I didn't. I, I don't know. I I didn't think that Mandy couldn't necessarily beat Nikita. I didn't want to see this first time match like this. I rather would have seen it for the title. You know, I didn't, I just didn't like seeing them go at it. I didn't like the ending. You protected Nikita, yeah, but I, I just wish this would have been a title match and Nikita wins it from Mandy Rose instead of having to watch it run for Toxic mm. Attraction to ruin the finish. Yeah, I, I was very surprised they went with this for their first match. And as soon as they announced this as her first match back for Nikita Lyons, I knew that it was going to be something along this nature because this is kind of the pay-per-view match. And I do think Nikita Lyons is on that short list of somebody who's going to take the title off of Mady Rose. So they want to protect that. But I just knew they were going to do some type of DQ finish. But I would have much rather it be a story where Mandy Rose is running from Nikita Lyons. And finally, Nikita Lyons has to catch Mandy Rose and beat her. Yeah. No, look, I think Toxic Attraction interfering was the way to stop this match. I think Nikita was supposed to win the breakout tournament originally. They're not going to do this match at Great American Bash, but I think SummerSlam weekend, Nikita Lyons has a very good shot of winning that women's championship for Mandy Rose. Yeah. Yeah, I believe she's next. She looks great she tonight. Got I mean, she got yeah. next. <laughs> Don't say it like that because you know what happened last time. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, Apollo was backstage tonight. Yeah, he was king of oh, the no, streets. Did he come off like more. a heel to you in the segment? Yeah, a bit of a tweener. Apollo reminded me of that guy that's like on the street Saturday night doing illegal things, and then he's at Sunday service. <laughs> like that's what I saw from him too. He was giving like motivational speak, like you know, motivational speech to people and this and that. But I still think Apollo is one with the streets after last week. You're not gonna convince me otherwise. You just described half of Inglewood. Shout out to Faithful Central on Sundays. Bishop Omer. Up to no good. Up to no good. <laughs> uh let's talk about this main event segment, the face-off between Cameron Grimes and Braun Breaker talking cameron grimes gets knocked down but he gets up again never gonna keep him down um <laughs> they got into it through braun into the turnbuckle second time turnbuckle popped braun looks like he hurt his arm i mean something was planned because cameron kept talking shit after that um but i mean if you told me braun was legitimately injured like i'd believe it he looked hurt at the end of that match yeah, and even if it's not like a, hopefully it's not a serious injury, but I would not be surprised if he was, you know, if it took the wind yeah. out of him or something because they were going for that turnbuckle to snap on that first time because he hit that turnbuckle so hard and then they had to do it again. And if, if he hit it that hard without it breaking, I, I could only imagine how much it really hurt. Yeah, his arm was bruising like instantly. You could actually mm -hmm. see some kind of bruise or something forming in his arm. Did you guys think about Lacey Evans when the daddy issues were brought up? Because I did. <laughs> I did not. But now I now I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I, I thought the promo was good. It was a good back and forth. I was talking some, some crap on my channel. But overall, I really thought that for somebody that just lost his championship and doesn't really deserve to be number one contender, I thought that Cameron Grimes really pulled his own weight here. I can't get behind Ron Breaker when he speaks. I'm sorry. There's just something about the way that he speaks that I just... 
I can't. Um, but the, the ending make Cameron Grimes look like a badass. Is it a heel turn? I don't know, but he sure felt like it. I mean, yeah, if he, especially he's bragging about the fact that now I can beat you since you're not 100%. That's a very underhanded tactic. And I really like the angle. It's kind of low-hanging fruit, but I like the angle that if you lose, you could always go to the main roster, and this is my last chance. I really like that Cameron Grimes went with that angle, kind of burying himself in a little bit, saying that he doesn't have know. a chance to go to the main roster. But you can believe it in terms of where he was going with this, that Braun Breaker is more privileged, and he would get an immediate call-up to the main roster. So I, I like that they went there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so that was the show tonight. Oh, Wendy Chu had a dream. Did she now? Only on. <laughs> yeah. Was, <laughs> was it on the monument? <laughs> this was fantastic. Whoever is producing this a feud needs a raise because they replayed some of the best parts of the Tiffany Stratton promo. Wendy's rebuttal was great. I mean, this was just fun. I'm looking forward to this match next week. It was completely unbelievable, Glenn. It was completely fake. Whoever is producing this needs to get a female opinion onto this because there's no way you go to sleep with a full face of makeup, number one. There's no way you're going to wear a face mask, lift it up, and there's no makeup rub onto that, number two. Number three, there's no way you're going to brush your teeth and your lipstick's not going to come out. So I'm sorry that whole thing took me out. No, not true. Not you know real. what I think could bring you back? And I think what would salvage this character, Wendy Luther King. Because she had a dream, and if she just has a dream every week, talks about how she has a dream every week, no, she could be no. Wendy Luther King Jr. That's Cody. That, that's Cody's uh, gimmick, so please oh, stop. Uh, yeah, we don't want her friends. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> those pajamas would be fire if she was Wendy Luther King. Those, those pajamas would be fire. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. Well, it's time. It's time yes. to talk about the 10 I go last because this list this list were my idea, so I go last. Just saying that. Okay. Okay. Um, I give my honorable mm. mentions first. Oh, yeah. Sure. Honorable. Okay, go ahead. Uh, these are these are ones that did not make the uh, the final cut. I want to give my honorable mentions for the greatest NXT tag teams of all time to the Ascension, the Hype Bros, the Broserweights, Authors of Pain, and the Vaudevillains, who Whoa. did not make my cut. If we've gone to 15, those were going to be in no specific order. Those were going to be 15 through 10. Alfred, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, AOP, 100%. And uh, I think AOP was the only one that I considered... You know, and the Street Profits. Street Profits, I very much enjoyed it, but they're not there long enough for me to put them on. Okay, my wow. honorable mentions are Brisengo, Alistair Black, and Ricochet, the Wyatt family, and Ascension. Okay. Wow. This is going to get heated. Alfred, do you want to go first <laughs> with your number 10 choice? Indeed, Ooh. I do. And you know what? I feel like this is already a controversial choice, but these are my <laughs> favorites in terms of some of the favorites ever. And I'm going to say MSK, the dearly departed MSK is my number 10. Okay. Nobody did more with less. I think in the brief time we saw them, they were something of a transcendent tag team where I felt that if they were to see that through to a main roster run on WWE, they could have been like WWE's version of the Young Bucks where, you know, it's not fair to make that comparison, but the fact that they had all these innovative double team moves and people really got into them, obviously things outside of wrestling cost this team what I thought would have been a historic NXT run and even a run on the main roster. So I'm going to go with MSK as my number 10. Wow. 
Uh, my number 10 is Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, who I thought wow. was a fantastic pairing. Um, one of the more memorable pairings in the NXT women's tag division. Uh, once that really got underway, I mean, they were champions. Uh, they were great together. They had fantastic entrance together. Their looks complemented each other. I think that um, Shotzi's call up and then Ember getting released. Uh, there could have been a lot more there, but I think that they are one of the freshest and most original pairings that at first seemed like it was just two people that were hanging around and they said, why not pair them together? And um, they got the crowd hyped all the time. I think they were absolutely phenomenal and I wish we'd uh, seen more of them, uh, preferably even a main roster run, because I think they could have been a real shot in the arm to the main roster women's tag division. Okay. Okay. I like that choice. My number 10 might be, might be controversial because of maybe the short period of time that we're familiar with them, but I'm going to say pretty deadly. I love everything Whoa, about pretty deadly. I love their fits. I love their promos. I just, I feel like they can just show up on the screen and they always get my attention. And for me with pretty deadly, it was love at first sight. And I don't watch NXT UK. I'm talking about, they showed up in NXT. I, I saw them and I knew I was all in with this team to the point that they made my top 10 love pretty deadly. They need to get more love and more respect. Wow, that is controversial. And now that you mentioned it, Pretty Deadly is actually on my honorable mention. It was not Authors of Pain because Authors of Pain is actually my number nine. I love their tag team run. Wow. I love how dominant they were. And I am a big stan of the Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, my favorite tag team ever. And they had Paul Ellering, and he did a great job alongside Authors of Pain, even bringing back the old school shark tank gimmick from above the ring i thought they had some of the most fun matches in nxt maybe they're not going to be yeah. remembered as these super workers of that uh, era in terms of some of the best workers there but they had incredible matches and they worked with a lot of great workers who brought out the best in them and th some of my favorite big match talents in nxt were authors of pain i really always loved their takeover matches well my number nine is brazongo the fashion police hey. i think that Tyler Breeze had such an amazing run in NXT solo, but it's amazing that he is, was one championship run in his entire time with WWE was part of the fashion police with Brazongo always entertaining. Um, I think they were part of the rebuild, the rebuilding of NXT when they came back down and as champions, I think they were just absolutely phenomenal and always a joy to watch. Amazing. I'll give you my number nine because I won't have much to add to it. It's AOP as well. So Alfred, we're, oh. we're on the same page there with yeah. Alters of Pain. I personally like them and I thought they felt so big and badass in a time where NXT we were looking at like the smaller, you know, tag teams era. AOP just came in and looked different. And obviously I'm a big fan of big mini men slapping meat. Therefore, AOP number nine. Number eight, Alfred. Number eight, we're going to go to the Undisputed Era. I might probably have them the lowest on the list out of all three of them, but they are in my top ten. Uh, they weren't hot in an era where NXT, I feel like, was particularly hot. I feel like NXT was a little bit on a downtrend as they started coming up, and they very much were holding it together. And they did a good job, but I just think that there were other teams during better moments of NXT that I felt more connected to, but I will give respect to the Undisputed Era for how well they were booked. I think Adam Cole was a superstar from day one. Yeah. Uh, I will say I was a little nervous for Adam Cole that day one because he had to super kick Drew McIntyre, and Drew McIntyre pretty much got down like a dad, having to get down for a kid to super kick his, his dad. But from then on, I think that they were flawless, and they almost did no wrong in NXT. Yeah. Glenn? 
Uh, my number one, number eight. Yeah. Correct. Cool. My number eight is the Wyatt family. Um, okay. I think that look, they really honed their gimmick in NXT. I think they were booked well. They had a short, memorable tag reign. And I think that as a presence, as a tag team and, and, you know, to a larger extent as a faction, like it just worked really well, uh, in the way they were booked and presented. And, uh, they were one of the breakouts of early NXT. Okay. Is it my turn? Number seven. Yes. No, number eight. My no, number. We're number no, eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Asked. That's right. That's right. My number eight is, uh, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. I <laughs> love this pairing. <laughs> I, hey, listen, it doesn't, you put Chotzi and Ember Moon in there, okay? Anyway, they, yeah. were, they were champions. <laughs> so my list it doesn't matter. Uh, 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 uh. The rules were regardless of whether they, don't act like you're not going to put Enzo and Big Cass as number one, and they never held the belts, okay? So please. Anyways, I like the pairing of Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. I love the idea of the Dusty Rhodes, and I love the fact that they won it. So that's my number eight. You die on that hill. You stick to that, Issa. I like that avant-garde listing. Speaking of avant-garde, I think I have a little bit of a weird choice. I don't know if you guys are going to okay. have these people on their uh, top 10 list. The Broser Weights coming at number oh, seven. I have them way higher than you, by the way. Okay, well, good for you. Riddle and uh, Pete Dunne or Thatcher. Either or. I just think Riddle is, you know how you say, uh, Glenn, that Sami Zayn's like the sriracha sauce of WWE? I think Riddle has those sriracha sauce qualities, and that's how I knew he's going to work on the main roster because it didn't matter who you put him with. He has chemistry with everybody, and he especially has chemistry with big, tough guys who take themselves too seriously, which was Pete Dunne and Thatcher. And some of those vignettes they did, uh, this is during the pandemic when I – felt there was so much bad wrestling on it was so hard to watch wrestling during the pandemic in those empty arena uh, matches and shows this is one of the few things that i would legitimately get excited for and i thought was probably one of the top five things of the entire pandemic era was the broser weights with matt riddle becoming a star basically before our very eyes so i thought the broser weights were a lot of fun regardless of the iteration they were they were we're on number seven number seven seven uh undisputed era who a faction okay. I'm not like the most excited about, but I think that they, they did a good job in the tag division. Um, yeah, I think they were, I mean, look, the Dunsputer era went on way too long, but I did think as tag team champions, that was probably the part for me of undisputed era that worked best. I could not wait for Adam Cole to lose his championship, but as tag team champions, I thought undisputed era did a very, very good job. Uh, and and uh, we're trying to save the rest of the super chat so we get done with this list, just so people know, just so we don't mess up the flow. But I've got also them shout out to the tornado. The tornado is still alive yes. and coming through everybody. Um, uh, my number, number seven. seven is the Street Profits. I I enjoy their really? matches. I, I actually enjoy them a lot more in NXT than I've been doing on the main roster. Their their main roster call up was weird, where they were just backstage hyping people up instead of wrestling. But in NXT, I wish that would have had more time i think i think they really could have like solidified themselves as one of the best nxt tag teams of all time but um yeah if they would have had more time they would have probably ranked higher on my list but i enjoy their timing nxt overall number number six. six just outside the top five we saw them turn heel this past week on smackdown the war raiders i thought were incredible or if you want to call them war machine i thought this is one of the more shocking flops on the main roster in terms of these two big guys i just thought vince is going to love these guys they are going to be something like an aop which also didn't really work out on the main roster but war raiders in nxt they were undefeated for all those 
days, I think like 300, 500 days undefeated. And they were incredible in NXT in terms of some of the best matches that they would have on pay-per-view. Just always impressive to watch. All they need is a chance in terms of how good they are. They might be one of the best, if not the best tag team in WWE right now. But if they got that shot, I think everybody would open their eyes to it. So I thought the War Raiders and uh, it was War Raiders, not the Viking Raiders. War Raiders and NXT were incredible. Well, speaking of botched call-ups, my number six is Sanity. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Damn. A gimmick that worked so well at Full Sail and in NXT. Worked well as a tag team, worked well as a faction, felt really different. Um, felt somehow timely and cutting edge at the same time. Great entrance, uh, huge presence, and uh, brought up to the main roster and just, I mean just bad man just bad 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 oh number six <laughs> no number five number five alfred oh you're no you said, no, I, you said you're oh number six i'm sorry my yeah. number six is it's because alfred already mentioned them so i don't really have a lot to say but it's the browser weights i love the oh, okay. i love the pairing of random people that you don't expect to be paired together and when they actually make it work and this too i enjoyed everything about this ring i enjoy everything about them as a tag team i thought they work well together and i think this is like i don't know i guess pete dunn shows so much personality i i do like him as butch but i miss the days of the browser weights so at number six browser weights butch. for me butch number five top five love these guys american top alpha five. they were uh, highly athletic just suplexing everybody out of their minds Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, I just thought were like the new age Steiner brothers. It was like a better, faster, stronger, you know, maybe not better because they hadn't been together as long, but I just love this tag team. I love the chant where they do the Gable, Gable, Gable. And when they're in Europe, they were super over. And some of the matches, these are on the short list of these NXT 1.0 matches that I'll rewatch is, yeah, I watch a couple of American Alpha matches because there's just such a perfect team where Gable would be in there taking all the heat and then make that hot tag to Jason Jordan. People forget Jason Jordan as a babyface had one of the best hot tags in wrestling when he would just suplex the hell out of everybody and people would just go crazy because he was so explosive. So they just worked perfectly together and I really miss them. Yeah. My number five is remarkable because when I was looking at it, they actually didn't have very many tag team matches together, but they were always seen together, always supporting one another. And well, not that many tag matches in NXT, but they're definitely a tag team. And that's the Iconics. Yeah. Who were TV gold every time they were on screen. I think they held down the women's division uh, being one of the more entertaining uh, factors in the women's division during a transition time in NXT. And uh, just amazing comedic timing. Great in the ring, uh, both as singles and when they wrestled together. And always a joy to see on screen, which is why the Iconics are my top five or my number five pick for the greatest NXT tag team of all time. I, I love that. I forgot about them too. <laughs> I forgot about a lot of people that you guys are bringing up. My number five is Undisputed Era. I love the rings. I, I loved when they all had the gold. I thought it was such a nice vision. And while they were a very strong faction, I, I started to get over the whole everybody interfered to keep their belts. And that's the only reason why they rank so low, because the matches themselves, they always put on a banger of a match when they were defending their titles. But it, it, it got a little too repetitive towards the end, but they still make my top five. So 
Number four, I'm going to go with the VOD villains. I think the VOD wow. villains were one of those teams that captured everything that made NXT 1.0 so magical. They had the entrance, which was a fun entrance that the Love crowd the could participate when they were really along with the little music. They had great music and they were a fun team to watch. Simon Gotch is a good worker. Uh, you know, he went on to go to MLW in Japan and he still wrestles to this day. And I thought Aiden English had a great gimmick with singing. And when they put that together and it was very random how they put it together because I really did like Aiden English as his own, as a singer. Mm -hmm. I thought that was something in NXT. But when they put them together, I was confused, and it worked out better than I could ever imagine. And they even added blue pants, which made the group more over. This, this if you watch that historic NXT Brooklyn show, I think outside yes. of Bailey, this might have gotten the biggest pop on the show. Oh, it did. I was there. It really did. <laughs> yeah, I love the VOD villains. It's interesting. I wanted to put them higher, and then I thought, maybe I'm being overly sentimental. Yeah, that could it. be it for me, too, because I really do think, when I think of NXT 1.0, that's one of the first things that comes to my mind is the VOD villains right. and how much fun they were. Yeah. Um, okay, we're getting the top four. It's going to be good. Looking forward to see how, how high you guys rank the Forgotten Sons. Let's, <laughs> let's not spoil anything. Uh, no, my <laughs> number four is... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I got a duck. Uh, my number four is The Revival. Whoa! Dash and Dawson, The Mechanics. <laughs> um, look, The Revival have gone on to phenomenal success in AEW. I think in NXT, their characters were not well-developed enough. Uh, they put on great matches, but I think they were really missing the ability for their characters to come into their own, which definitely has happened in AEW. And I think they've gone on to great success, but this was like FTR 1.0 in NXT. And you could see that they could be top guys, but they just weren't quite there yet. This was NPO FTR point five for me. I think we froze Issa with that pick. I think she's. Yeah. No, I'm just staring at the camera in disbelief. <laughs> my number four, my number four is American Alpha. I got to watch some other matches live, and it was just so much fun. They brought it every single time. They had the arena like right here, man. It was so much fun to watch, and yeah, I mean, I, I still see Gable, and I miss Jason Jordan, and I'm I'm happy that it happened, man. I'm happy that we had those days. Me too. That's a great way of putting it. I'm happy that it happened. Number three, I'm going to say, and this might be a little controversial, I don't think so, DIY. I think Gargano and Champa were one of the all-time great teams, especially from a wrestling standpoint, where they would have some of these incredible matches. I think, God, I, I always go back and forth if this is my favorite NXT match. The triple threat with uh, DIY, the Revival, and War Raiders, I think was one of the all-time great matches in NXT history. And uh, I just love this team. I think Gargano and Ciampa, it makes sense that they were best friends and they had such great chemistry coming out of this because they had great chemistry as a team too. And everything they did with these two, I think was a home run. Okay. My number three is American Alpha for all the reasons we've discussed and more. Uh, the whole journey that they had of Chad Gable needing a partner. You know, Jason Jordan was on the very first episode of NXT. I mean, he was, I think he was tagging with Tyler Breeze at the time as Mike Dalton. Jason Jordan had been in NXT a long time. His career, though, really came alive when Gable, uh, uh, like, twisted his arm, uh, li uh, literally, not figuratively, uh, or figuratively, right. not literally, um, and got him begrudgingly to become his tag opponent. And that whole journey of seeing Jason being embarrassed by the ready, willing, and Gable, like, their promos, what they would do at live shows, this was theater. 
this was beyond just putting on great matches. And that's the thing. It's like, yes, the revival and the rival versus American alpha put on probably the all time greatest tag matches in NXT history, those guys together in the ring, but American alpha just had those characters and you could watch them as a TV show. And then when they get in the ring, they performed like real athletes, um, like real Olympians. And, uh, for that reason, I mean, yeah, just one of the all time greatest tag teams of all time in professional wrestling period, but my number three pick for NXT. Amazing pick. My number three, if, if they would have just won one title, Raymond, it would have been so much higher, but I'm going to go with Enzo and Cass for oh number three. Oh my God. <laughs> I, 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 I love them. I love their charisma. I love their character. I don't know that I'm necessary compared to some of the teams in this list. A fan of their in-ring work, but it didn't even matter. Like everything that they did, It was, it was incredible. Love them. I just wish at some point they would have won the big one, but they didn't. And when I look at my other two choices, I can't put them above them. Then that's the only reason why. Should have been Brooklyn instead of the Vaude Villains. Because you watched yeah, the match for that episode they taped there and that crowd reaction. That would have yeah. been... That's the only thing that could have made TakeOver Brooklyn even better. Alfred, what I, is... I, I'm so outraged that I'm doing the rest of this show with my screen. That's <laughs> how outraged I am. <laughs> What's your, number two, What's your number, number two pick? My number two pick, and this is going to shock a lot of people, but the Ascension is my number two wow. pick. People forget how dominant these guys were, and people forget how much fun they were. And it was an ironic tag team against their will. WWE was being very serious, or NXT, and promoting them as these two giants. And it really was kind of hokey until the fans made it ironic. And the fans would ironically say, yeah, every time they would hit somebody. Then slowly but surely, they would lean into it. At first, they tried to deny it. But once the Ascension caught on to how ironic they were as tag teams, they made the slightest of change. And I thought it made them entertaining. And they were a dominant tag team in terms of if you want to say who are some of the greatest teams. They didn't lose for, I think, over a year. And I, I just think the Ascension was fantastic at their peak in NXT. So did you prefer them as European vampires or post-apocalyptic warriors? <laughs> Definitely European vampires. Were they vampires in NXT? Yeah, yeah remember they had like the yeah. they had like the studded leather yeah. coats. I do remember that. Yeah, that's absolutely the better part. Post-apocalyptic post were my were my kind of ascension. <laughs> uh, my number two, and I really this is tough. My decision between one and two was the hardest that I made, but I have to make number two DIY for the second greatest NXT tag team of all time. And what's interesting is their tag title run was great. But what that set up for a singles feud was just incredible. There's only really one reason, and I'll talk about this when I say my number one pick, um, but there's really only one reason why I could justify putting them as number two instead of number one. Um, but no, I think that they had a great run as a tag team. They had a great run as a feud and um, just one of the all-time greatest long-term stories told in NXT. Mm -hmm. Issa, number two. My number two is the revival. Um, I I just love all of their matches. I love what they were able to do. I love that it didn't matter who you put in the ring with them. Still to this day, as FTR in in AEW, it doesn't matter who they're wrestling against. It's gonna be a good match. You know, you're gonna get a banger. You might as well grab your snack, grab a drink, because you're in for a treat. And as somebody that I, I'm not a big fan of tag team wrestling and FTR. 
and the revival, they win me over every single time. They did it in NXT, they did it in the main roster. Now they're doing it in, in AEW, and I have to give them props for that. I think they're incredible. The matches that they put in NXT is incredible, and I just love to see what they've gone on to do. That's my number two. Interesting. The revival did not make my list. I, I've come wow. a long way on Dax. I will say I've never really quite cared about the revival as good as I've always acknowledged they are. Not as a revival, mostly not as FTR, but this past year, FTR, namely Dax Harwood, I think they've become some of yep. my favorite actors. I think they've just been on fire lately. And uh, my number one, of course, is going to be Enzo and Cass. Uh, they, there would be no NXT without Enzo and Cass. I think they put that promotion on their back and they carried it to heights that it's never seen. But I really did think that they were so over, they didn't need those tag team titles. Right. Obviously, there were other acts that were over. And I think the women were the bedrock of NXT and whatnot. But I just think that Enzo and Cass were just that cherry on top of NXT where it's a completely different reality without them. Yeah. Agreed. My number one pick as well, Enzo and Cass. If not for them, I don't know that I would be sitting here right now doing this podcast. I don't know. Uh, I probably would say that they're 50% of it. I think TakeOver uh, Brooklyn Sasha versus Bailey was what rehooked me and Finn Balor uh, versus Kevin Owens. But watching what aired that next Wednesday with the Enzo and Cass entrance sent me down a YouTube rabbit hole to learn about <laughs> as much about NXT as possible. And the reason why I put them number one over DIY, look, were their matches had a repetitive formula with the hot tag? Absolutely. hundred percent. But I'll, t- I'll ask you this. What other promos from NXT singles or tag team have you gone on YouTube and wanted to watch old promos and with Enzo and Cass? And it's not just Enzo, like Cass as well, man. Uh, there's the one where Enzo got hit in the head and Cass was carrying that promo. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, you look at the Enzo promo, Dash and Dawson, they call you mechanics. I want to let you anywhere near my car. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they put some of the best promos. I mean, yeah. honestly, some of the best promos in all of professional wrestling in the last 25 years were Enzo and Cass promos. And it is amazing that um, they got split up on the main roster. Like I was, we, I think we were all there uh, in when they made their main roster debut, but in NXT, yeah. there was no more over tag team. I mean, I would argue that, yeah, with, ba- they were up there with Bailey, Sasha and Finn Balor as uh, I'd say though, the, the four of them were the four pillars of NXT for the longest time. We kept people tuning in and hands down, best tag team NXT has ever seen. I wish they were back together and back on TV in some capacity because uh, legit, I could watch these guys wrestle and just cut promos and do storylines all day. Some of the most gifted performers WWE has ever seen. Absolutely. I agree. I'll never forget how I felt when they made that main roster debut that Monday Night Raw after Mania, the pop, the arena went crazy. It was such a moment. Um, one of these days, maybe we should do a list of the top best moments that we've been to mm. live oh, because like that, that would rank somewhere there. Like, I like that. That would definitely make, and I've been to a lot of wrestling events and that moment I will never forget. Um, I'm the kind of person that ranks with my feelings a lot and also with my wallet because I don't wear t-shirts. So if I go and I buy a wrestling t-shirt, it's because I'm invested in you, okay? And the only wrestling t-shirt, this entire t- list that we made that I bought, was the DIY shirt. That's my number one. Ah. I love them. They have me in my feels every single time. Like, I just loved everything they did and what it went to become when they broke up and they, they went on to give us some of the, the, the best field probably for the NXT World Championship. Every time that they were 
involved in a story, whether it was as a tag team or a singles wrestlers, they managed to get you involved. And, and these are not the kind of wrestlers that I would usually like be a fan of size wise, technicality wise. Like I'm not a fan of any of that. And somehow these guys won me over. They got me to spend money on them. I, I love going to see them live. And I just think like, I, I, I miss him in NXT. I still don't, don't feel, don't get in my feels about certain matches or certain performance the way that, the way that Champa and Gargano managed to make me feel. So that's my number one. So not big enough, not meaty enough, but for Issa, still her number one picks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we, we all put DIY on our top 10 and no, on no. our top three and Enzo and, and Cass. So that should go to tell you, you know, about these things. I always like looking and comparing and seeing what, which ones we agree with like the most. And I love that Enzo and Cass and DIY are in all of our top threes. And a lot of honorable mentions going on in the chat. I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't say hit row as an honorable yeah. mention. Obviously yeah. they weren't there for long enough. And I don't think we're given enough time to develop the way I think they would have. And the fact that they're even an honorable mention for as little time as they spent in NXT says something. Isn't it amazing how that can be a curse where you're essentially so good that you go through there fast and you go to the main roster and it's just like, and now we don't know what to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Uh, this was fun tonight. Much more, yeah. much more on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Even I forgot. I thought the browser weights are going to be very controversial, but I'm glad you even had them higher. Isa. Oh, I love the browser weights. I love the browser weights. And I'm sorry that Glenn hated my Finn Balor and Samoa Joe pick, but they were the first Dusty Rose classic winners. I know, like, I come know, on. No, I'm just, I'm... <laughs> very interesting pick. Forgotten sons forgotten once again. Rightfully so. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. What an injustice. <laughs> no, uh, why am I blanking on their name? Uh, no Blake and Murphy either. They were in no. my, uh, oh, I forgot to put them in my honorable mentions. I had them in my list. Yeah. Really? You could tell them apart? No. Well, now you can because you know yeah, who Murphy well, oh, yeah. is. And Murphy is shredded. I mean, he's always had one of the better bodies in pro wrestling. Pause. Yeah, let's uh, catch up on some super chats here. James Beam. Uh, James Bean, pardon me. Uh, I want to see Ring of, Ring of Honor on Tuesdays before NXT instead of Dark and have Dark move to Thursdays before Impact. Well, you're going to have to take that up with the network heads. Yeah, Warner Media. <laughs> Hopefully you can make something it'll happen. Be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see them do something with Ring of Honor instead of all of this belt showing up in, in AEW. Ring of Honor needs its own thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. sure something's in the works. I'm sure I've, I've been hearing HBO Max, but it needs its own streaming platform. And even when it does have its own thing, they need to get rid of some of those belts. Well, Alfred, right. we learned over during the media scrum that Tony Khan is a Larry Sanders show fan. So what better way to reboot Ring of Honor than to show us behind the scenes and in front of the scenes at the same time? cutting back and forth for storylines. I would love that. I saw, I saw you tweeted something like that as well. And I completely agree that we need a pro wrestling promotion that adopts the theme of the Larry Sanders show, because all the shows today steal from that. The office, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Abbott elementary, which is great. That format was created by Larry Sanders and pro wrestling needs to do it too. It was actually part of why Enic, uh, part of why SmackDown was at its best in the brand split in 2016 is they kind of treated it like that with Daniel Bryan and Shane and Daniel Bryan was like Kermit the Frog stressed out all the time yeah, on an episode yeah. of the Muppet show, like <laughs> trying to deal with all the headaches that wrestlers were creating for him, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 
as part of its strength. Bear Hudson, $5. Uh, with the holidays coming, Alfred and Issa, I need a list of NXT wrestlers who are allowed at the barbecue and who gets to eat at the main table. <laughs> uh, that I should be our that. own list. That should be our own list. Not Brum Baker. Not Brum Baker. He's not not Brum Baker. <laughs> Apollo is invited by default because I'm afraid of him. So... You know what? Lash Legends just got in the barbecue. Obviously, she's at the main table only because she kicked yeah. a trainer out of the camera shot. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, I, I don't know why that was all, all things. I was laughing hysterically after I saw that. But Lash Legend using her heel to kick a trainer out of the shot gives her a seat at the main table. There you go. That would actually be a fun list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Allison Tuckwab. Wow, another Allison! Super chat, Allison. Our queen. Static uh, own, I guess. Uh, the only reason I watch wrestling is because of Charlotte Flair and it was Sasha and Naomi, Bailey and Becky's launch. They disappear and retire. I'm not going to, if they disappear and retire, I'm not going to watch wrestling anymore because it's getting where I don't know the wrestlers. That's turnover is a very real thing. And yeah. look at the reason. Why do we see so many legends come back? Because a lot of people don't watch wrestling regularly. Don't bother to get invested in the new characters. And, um, it's a delicate balance when you look at the new talents and how you mix that with more legacy performance with existing fan bases. Yeah. And that's interesting because we are kind of getting, I wouldn't say to the end of that era because Becky and Sasha are, you know, or Becky and Charlotte are very much in their primes, but it was what 2013 to now that they've been in the WWE system. So it's kind of, I think a whole generation of people have seen this and, and I think it's kind of time for their next crop of generation that to go through because they're really not building anybody behind them. I don't feel like they dropped the ball. Sorry. I was going to say, no, it's okay. Sasha and Bailey are the ones that made me start caring about women's wrestling. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about it because it was embarrassing. It was hard to watch some of the, some of the things or the time that they were not getting. I still advocate for women's wrestling to be better, but I do think that they started a certain movement. The four horse women, I would always be a big fan of them. Becky Lynch is my favorite. Um, I feel like when Becky Lynch was doing the man character, it was the first time that I saw a character that I felt like I could relate, which is very rare with the women because they always have a certain, you know, a certain stereotype or a certain kind of character. So I'm with you, Allison, on that. And to your point, Look at the viewership of Dynamite. How much it dropped when they started promoting this new Japan, uh, you know, for Bindor because a lot of people didn't know who the wrestlers were. And I'm watching for Bindor. I enjoyed it, but I gotta tell you, there was a couple of times that I had no idea what who I was watching. When that guy came out, I still don't remember his name after the Orange Cassidy and Osprey match. I had no clue who he was. The crowd went crazy, and I'm like, but who is he? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think not knowing who the wrestlers are will really does affect people's um experience viewing wrestling. But the thing I love about wrestling is that a great gimmick, um, a great gimmick like transcends or a great look transcends uh, in wrestling and almost makes you um, just like gets you uh, invested, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. that, that's why that's what I mean when it comes to the man. It was like Becky Lynch was fighting to get her position. It wasn't handed to her, especially when it came to, you know, against Charlotte, against Ronda Rousey, for example. It was a matter of she was being a badass who fought for everything she had. And to see that moment of her holding both of those titles at the end of WrestleMania, you, you can watch my reaction. It's on my channel. I, I actually teared up because it, it was something that I felt like, you know, as somebody that came from, you know, not a lot of things and work for what I have. It's good to have somebody that you can relate to. I think it really changes the 
like I said, even with the list that we just talked about with DIY, when you get somebody emotionally involved, it changes everything. Yeah. One, one of the rare instances of a woman getting over without having to go the mean girl route. And it happened completely against WWE's will. It's not like they fostered this man character. It's just they, people were rallying around Becky Lynch and they were trying to make her into a heel. And she yeah. was able to take that and make herself into a superstar. If you talk yeah. about what Daniel Bryan did on Romania 3, I feel like Becky Lynch managed to also do the same as a woman, which is hard to do back when she was, you know, and, and I and I love her. I still love her, but I miss the man daily. I love what she's doing now. I would always love her. She'll always be my favorite, but I miss what the character, the man made me feel and how invested I was. Yeah. It's, you know, one of those iconic moments that like you're never, that her bleeding all over the place. <laughs> And still mm -hmm. talking shit and being about that life and wanting more of the smoke. Like, that's everything the man was. I think that was, like, one of the last great moments in terms of this era giving you, like, a moment. Like, oh, man, yeah. that's going to be something they're playing, like, 100 years from now. We don't yeah. get too much of that. I think the Cody Rhodes moment that we saw was another one. But Becky Lynch is on that short list. And Becky Lynch's um, video package is one, like, like, like Glenn said, like, what makes you go back and watch over and over. Becky Lynch video package for WrestleMania 35 with the song The Man. Mm -hmm. Like, you watch that and you watch all of those moments, how that character grew. I could watch that video package. Like, I, I, I go back and visit it more often than I like to admit. Yeah. I think I have a save on my phone, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um... Alfred, we learned Friday night that Issa has never seen anything Star Wars related. Wow, really? Oh my goodness. I mean, I have. I'm not like a super fan of it, but I've seen the movie. But she's seen none of it. Zero. Not nothing. You've gone out of your way to avoid it because I feel like you, yeah. you'd have to try not to see all of them. Oh yeah. I I I I don't I never seen one. I've gone out of my way. If I see it, I walk away. Like the first it burns wow. my eyes. You're gonna see one movie, see episode one with Jar Jar Binks. I think that's the one that you have to see. If you're going to see one movie of Star Wars, we were talking I about feel like Twitter. you're trolling me. I feel like you're no. trolling me. We've been talking about Twitter. If we were to do a podcast, Issa uh, watching Star Wars for the first time, would we? I guess we would have to start with episode four, like go movie release order, not chronological sense. order. Makes yes, yeah, absolutely. If you start with episode one, Issa, you're going to be like, what, what are you on? Like, <laughs> you let it get good before it gets bad. <laughs> okay. We'll see. That's crazy, Issa. So you, you no interest? You still don't have any interest in seeing any of them? No, nothing, nothing Star Wars or Star Star Trek. I also have never watched anything Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek. Okay, I haven't either. I don't think I have. I, you know what? Really? It's funny because I love the Orville, and my favorite episode of Black Mirror is the uh, Callister, SS Callister, oh, really? which is the Star Wars Star Trek reboot. Uh, and then, but I just could never get into Star Trek. Not even not for a, the next generation. I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but I like the uh, I like the. Um... I like the new Star Trek, Strange New Worlds and Discovery. And the new ones are very good, very modern feeling. I like the movies. The one with the whales is always fun. I heard the new one with Chris Pine. You know, the new yeah, ones that they, okay. they made were, were pretty good. Yeah. Watched the new Beavis and Butthead the other night. New Beavis and Butthead <laughs> movie on Paramount+. Plus. How's that? Delightful. I love Beavis and Butthead. And you'll love this Me movie. Too. It's Beavis and Butthead do the universe. They go to space. Would you guys, did you guys like, because I didn't like their, as an adult, when I would rewatch, I like their commentary on music because it's very similar to what podcast right. has become. But when I was a kid, I just wanted the sketches and the bits and like- Really? See, I just wanted the videos all the time. I didn't want the videos at all. I didn't want their really? commentary on it. Sometimes I thought it was funny, but I would get up and go get something to eat when they were doing the commentary. But the actual show was brilliant. Yeah. 
I'm a huge King of the Hill fan, and that's actually make me made me enjoy Beavis and Butthead even more. I feel the same way about Daria. I'm a huge Daria fan. And I feel oh, like Daria is the best. I love yeah. Daria. Yeah. Well, that's Tuesday night. Tomorrow night, AEW Dynamite coverage. We'll be back Happy Friday. We'll be back Friday for SmackDown and Rampage. The go-home show for Money in the Bank. Yay. Can't wait. I'll be here Friday, goddammit. Okay. Returning to Friday nights. I'm on that Roman Reigns deal. Did you get banned from Applebee's finally? <laughs> not, not, not yet. Yeah, how was your birthday, out? Alfred? Do you have a good oh, birthday? Wonderful birthday. I went out to, to LA. I was in San Diego. I had a great time. So shout Did out you to, go all to my Applebee's. Friends we went to Applebee's late at night, very late at night. And uh, if you want the full story, I'm going to start an OnlyFans just to tell it. <laughs> there you go. Have a great week, everyone. Tomorrow night, AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts. And we will catch you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Do us also a favor. Follow NYC Demon Diva. That's Diva with a one. Alfred Kanawa at This Is Nasty. I'm Macklin Rubenstein. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Be sure to <laughs> like, share, subscribe. Hit that notification bell. And we will catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.